Hi folks, Mike Howie here. Before we get into this week's episodes, I want to let you know they're both about domestic violence in pets. We talk about some upsetting information in order to shed light on the real-life experiences of far too many people. This episode may be difficult to listen to, and if it is, please don't push yourself. If you're looking for resources regarding domestic violence, you can visit endingviolencecanada.org or ncadv.org. If you are in immediate need of help, please call 911 or your local emergency services. More links are available in the show notes. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers brought to you by the Fur Bearers. Don't worry if you've already heard this. There's two episodes this week, and both have the same first 30 seconds or so. I struggled with how to write the introduction to these two episodes. Domestic violence and the connection to pets is a subject I've long wanted to discuss. And now that I've completed two interviews, I'm not sure how to go about talking about it. The unsettling truth is that there is a link between domestic violence and pets. That too often, people have not left dangerous situations due to fear for their beloved pets, or because there aren't options for them to leave with their pets. I spoke with the Urban Resource Institute in New York and Parachutes for Pets in Calgary. The former is a larger organization that offers an array of services, including victim services, legal services, safety planning, shelter space, and homes for families and individuals and more. The latter is a grassroots group creating much-needed community supports for pet families, including specific supports in relation to poverty, social upheaval, and domestic violence. The original plan was to have one large episode. But each of these conversations deserve their own space, and that's why you have two episodes in your feed this week, 813 Part 1 and Part 2. Parachutes for Pets in Calgary is a grassroots organization that is working to build community supports to protect the connection between people and their companion animals. Their programs include providing pet hampers that have food and supplies, vaccine and wellness clinics, emergency pet packs, and more. Often, their services are called upon when people are leaving abusive situations and need support to keep their pets with them. I connected with Melissa David, founder of Parachutes for Pets, to discuss the evolution of the organization, the needs they address, and how you can support them, or create supports in your own community. To start out, how did this organization start? Let's let's start at the beginning. What's the story of Parachutes for Pets? Sure. So um, it started with me. I've always been a huge animal lover, Um, grew up on a farm, always brought strays home, volunteered at a vet clinic through high school, just loved animals. Um, And then my career took me in a different direction, more into the legal law enforcement side, but I still Mm -hmm. loved animals. Like um, as an admin for the RCMP, I would, um, my first post was on a reserve just outside of Calgary. And on my lunch hours, I would drive around and I would have first aid kits for the res dogs and I'd have food and <laughs> everybody would laugh because my desk was like full of dog bones. So <laughs> yeah, and then like sometimes the locals would be walking through town and they'd stop at the police station to get their dog bone because they knew I had some. 
Um, so just a huge animal lover. And I remember, I guess it'd be just about three years ago now, I was um, sitting in my car on my lunch break. And I heard a story that just made me burst into tears. And um, I had um, been volunteering for various just animal rescues. And uh, I had heard a story on the news that a dog had been abandoned in land stores. And so the owner had come in, left the dog, left the staff, kind of noticed this dog walking around, called the Calgary Humane Society. And the Calgary Humane Society... um, came and took the dog but unfortunately it had been so neglected uh with medical issues and whatnot that they had to euthanize it and I remember seeing a photo of this dog and just crying I mean its hair was long it was shaggy obviously like it just hadn't been groomed um was diabetic didn't have any attention and I inquired around to find out is there any resources how can I help like is there anything because my opinion was if the owner left it, she did want, or she or he did want the pet to get help, but it was just too late. And so I thought like, where can they reach out for help? Maybe I can be an advocate. Maybe I can get involved. And I found out that there actually really wasn't anywhere that was helping owned pets. There was lots of rescues for pets that were abandoned or surrendered, but there was nothing in between. So you either had to surrender or abandon your pet or the pet suffered in silence at home. So I thought, well, let's see if we can do something about this. Because, I mean, maybe I'm the person that's supposed to do something about this. So I thought, okay, put it out there. Hey, guys, like, I want to start this. Put it out to Calgary and said, hey, like, what, what, uh, what do you guys think about this? If we started, you know, a little food bank and if we could help out with some vet care costs and some grooming and, and just whatever people need, that, you know, whatever kind of a hand up they need to keep their pet. And so that's how Parachute started. And it was still relatively small until I can pinpoint the exact date and time of March 12th, 2020, when everything flipped with the pandemic. Closing, um, we probably 30 hampers a month to over 600 in a six week time. And so we had to pivot really quickly and Calgary rallied behind us. And then Parachutes grew into um, some really cool programming. Like we were able to kind of assess need as we went along. Um, And in addition to the vet care and the the grooming and the the pet food hampers, we developed a program um, with emergency pet packs for domestic violence victims and for the homeless because the homeless rates are rising like crazy with pets. Um, due to the pandemic, and domestic violence was on the rise. And so we were finding that a lot of times we were getting calls, you know, from the police at two in the morning saying, hey, like, I need to remove this individual from an uns. They want to take their pet, but they they don't have anything to take. They can only just take the pet. So are you able to get us some supplies so the pet, you know, the pet can have breakfast if we take it or whatnot? Yeah, so then that kind of leads us to where we are today and now we have a very thriving busy charity where we um (laughs) we kind of try to encompass all those aspects and and help people out where they can and we partner with a lot of great agencies um you know homeless agencies domestic violence um seniors agencies because a lot of seniors are on such a fixed income right now that we get calls that they're sharing their meals with their dogs or cats so um yeah so we have a great network and uh I'm really hoping this podcast has a wide range because we really want to expand our programming throughout Canada because I hear from people all the time 
that we need this down here where we are and there's nothing. So going going through the website and stuff, it's really interesting because you do have these really cool programs. And I like the idea that it's for keeping pets yeah. and families together uh, yeah. as much as possible. And we know that when families stay together and that family can look at whatever it looks like um, and whatever situation it may be, it, it tends to be better if you if you are choosing to stay together and it is a healthy relationship. We're not yeah. talking about the domestic violence relationships, but when a family stays together, they can heal better. They have Absolutely. their community with them. And we've seen the stats out of the U.S. And I, I don't know if Canada has as, uh, as much um, depth of statistics on this subject, but uh, there we're, you know, we're very clearly seeing people saying, I'm not leaving this situation because I fear for my pet safety because I can't 100%. abandon them. 100%. Um, yeah. 100%. We hear that all the time when we get those middle of the night yeah. calls, um, you know, especially from the police or whatnot saying, Hey, like we need to get this, this person out. It's, you know, matter of life and death. They're not leaving without their yeah. pet. And then we come in and reassure that, hey, because a lot of times, um, you know, and that's the issue too, is we need to get some more pet-friendly shelters available. And that's something that's definitely on our list. But in the meantime, it's tough because there's all these great programs being offered for pet safekeeping, but it does separate you from your pet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just aren't going to go there. Yeah. So they would rather take, you know, the more unsafe option than that so you know we we get on the phone and we explain what we do and how we can help and and give them some reassurance and we've got a lot of wonderful partners um in low-income housing too that are now the housing's gone pet friendly and they've been such a great help to us to try to get uh get some individuals placed rather quickly and we also one barrier we did find that we acted on quickly was um, some of the safe houses in our area for sure. You have to have your pet up to date on vaccines and spayed and neutered to get in. Yeah. And sometimes that's just not in the cards like financially. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we definitely make sure we tend to is getting um, the pet spayed or neutered and vaccinated or whatever they need to meet those requirements to get into that housing. Yeah. Well, and that's, and again, it's, uh, there are many times you'll come across folks who are very loving to their pets and it is, it's, it's a choice of, okay, I can pay for this $200 surgery that by and large, you know, in the argument of life and death is unnecessary. Uh, and I say that in the context of what we're talking about, not overall, yeah. um, like, so do I pay $200 for that? Or do I pay a hundred dollars to make sure we have somewhere to stay or food to eat Absolutely. or something like it, it, a lot of these situations, it's, you're making the, the the least bad of many unfortunate choices in front of you. Uh, 100%. And it's yeah. very important that we we come at that without judgment because there are of as course. we as we know about all of these scenarios, there are yeah. so many moving parts and so much experiential uh, insight and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and that's that's our number one guideline and I always um, when we train our volunteers, um, that's the number one thing I say is we never judge. And we are not going to judge because these people have probably been through so much that we can't even comprehend and we don't know about. Mm -hmm. So we are just going to trust that we're helping where we can with the pets and we are not, we're going to show compassion. We are never going to show judgment. Awesome. Um, so going at the programs though, it is, it's a cool mix. Uh, I want to sort of look at these individually uh, briefly. The yeah, food hamper. Sure. So it's pet food bank and hampers. Pet food bank is yeah. why I imagine what it sounds like. Uh, and yes. and the hampers, what, what comes in a hamper when we talk about this? What does that look yeah, like? So, so it's interesting. Um, we're fortunate to be able to customize quite a bit. We'll get people that say, you know what? 
I just need the smallest bag of dog food you have to get me through till payday on Friday. Yep. Or we'll get the people that say, you know what? Um, we had this last week. My house burnt down and I lost everything but my dog. Yeah. So then, you know, they get the bed, the bowls, the leashes, the collars, the food, the treats, um, whatever they need. Mm-hmm. So we can really customize and, and, you know, we just say to people, like, what do you need? Because chances are we can get it for you. Yep. So, yeah, we can do quite a bit of that. Um, sometimes a hamper does involve, especially for our seniors, um, maybe some pet medication that we'll call the vet and get for them. Because, I mean, I just uh, got off the phone with a senior before this call and their pet medication, their, their um, dog was just diagnosed with a kidney disease. Because, of course, as the seniors get older, their pets get older. Yep. And, uh, I mean, this poor lady's paying for her own prescriptions. And now her dog needs $167 and prescription diet food a month. Um, for a kidney issue so yeah. she's like what you know just in tears what do I do I can't even I, I have five dollars left at the end of the month <laughs> so we we have some great veterinarians and um, we get some really generous discounts on uh, prescription food and some medication so sometimes that's what goes into a hamper mm-hmm. and uh, like I said prescription foods I last month we spent thirty four hundred dollars on prescription foods wow yeah and I mean we certainly didn't fill the truck I mean that was <laughs> That was only probably 13 bags. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, they're, they're not cheap, but it's still no. a lot. Um, yeah, so that's why we, yeah, sometimes people always ask, like, do I, can we donate food or do you want cash? And, you know, both is great, but we can do a little bit more with the financial aspect in yeah. terms of getting the prescription food and whatnot and the vet, the vet visits, so. Yep, and that's that's the same in food banks. Typically, you know, they can it, it, sort of that slight pivot, but they can work directly with grocery stores and other yes. providers, and they they can take your one dollar and go almost twice as yes. far with it. You betcha. Um, yeah, and you've got some. And I'm not sure when this will come out, but you do have some online fundraisers right now for folks who are interested with some cool prizes and stuff. Uh, yes, from we have local some businesses. awesome fundraisers coming up. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, you also do. Speaking of the vets, though, you have vaccine and wellness clinics, and I know that uh, in both uh-huh. urban areas such as Calgary, as well as rural and remote regions, yeah. uh, access to veterinary care can be a real problem. And there's actually a, what I have been told is a veterinarian shortage in much of Canada. Yes. And the vet clinics are so busy since the pandemic as well, because not only um, is there, you know, a mental health crisis affecting veterinarians right now mm-hmm. um, and a shortage COVID played havoc because for the first few months of COVID um, they had to really restrict their services because nobody knew what kind of supplies they could get yeah. or when they could get them again because healthcare was, uh, human healthcare was prioritized um, for, you know, things like your gloves and your, your needles and stuff. And then everybody seemed to go out and get a pet during the pandemic. Yep, that made sense. <laughs> so now all of a sudden they're, yeah. So, I mean, we've got great vets and, and normally pre-pandemic we could get in, you know, right away. And now they still do try to juggle us. But I mean, we've sat in the parking lot for six hours sometimes waiting on a patient just because they're so darn busy. And I mean, we're just thankful we can get in, but yeah, they're really they're really dealing with a shortage, but, but they're gracious enough to us that we do offer um, at least two a year. Um, nice. This year we're going to do, we're really excited. We're doing one in September that's specifically for seniors. Oh, that's nice. And we're going to actually, we have volunteers. We're going to pick up and take the pets and whatnot if they're not very mobile. Um, and so they'll get a nice wellness check, vaccines, they'll get a little goodie bag. And then we do uh spay and neuter clinics because a lot of the low-income 
ones that were provided by different cities have been put on hold during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen an explosion in pet population. <laughs> yeah. So if we can try to kind of get, get that rolling again and get some of those numbers down. And we always do um, a Christmas vaccine clinic as well. And it's really neat. We uh, really have a good time with it. Pre COVID, it was a lot better, of course, and we might get close to that again, but we, uh, yeah, we focus a lot on the homeless, the really, really struggling. And each pet gets a Christmas stocking full of toys and treats and they get a vaccine and they get a pet photo with Santa. And it's, it's really fun. So that's, that's probably our favorite one to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's the kind of thing the community loves to support too. Uh, and I think that's what you're you're doing so well with Parachute for Pets is you like, again, encourage folks to visit the website and even just look at, um, if you scroll down in the one spots, where are we going here? Uh, I did find it and I think I may have lost it. Uh, there we go. Support services under your resource tab. Uh, again, it's uh, all, you've got spay and neuter and boarding resources, animal assistant resources, and human yeah. assistance uh, resources that are all there. And just as a, a quick aside, uh, ARF, Animal Rescue Foundation, I actually worked with ARF Ontario many years ago, uh, oh, doing a little bit of stuff and adopted a dog from them uh, oh, in a former life. ARF. They're so, so supportive of us. And it's great because mm -hmm. we can share resources sometimes. They'll say, hey, we got like 30 pallets of food coming in. We want to give you guys a couple pallets. And it's it's such a great thing that we can share back and forth like that. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. And then you've got, you know, the connections, Calgary Seniors Resource Society, yeah. uh, Veterans Association Food Bank, the yeah. Alex, which is Vulnerable Populations, yeah. uh, Be the Change, Closer to Home, Horizon Housing, all of the, the agencies you kind of need are, are listed here. You betcha. Uh, which is also helpful in terms of seeing sort of the, the integration and the... Um, <laughs> the intersection of a lot of social issues, which, which came up in the other uh, interview on the subject too, is, is recognizing that need. like, okay, we, we've got these moments where these things intersect and we have an opportunity yes. to help in really significant ways. Yeah. And that's, I want to ask about, there's a new program. It looks like, yeah. uh, scroll back up and find my spot again. Cause I'm a professional. <laughs> um, the Lily's legacy. Oh, yes. uh, could you tell me more about this? Absolutely. This program came kind of out of the blue. Uh, last December, even after a year of pivoting and trying to <laughs> kind of figure out things as we went because we were growing so quickly, we started getting letters um, and emails to us from children. And these children were writing to us in lieu of writing to Santa Claus. And what they were asking us was things to help them keep their pet. Um, one little girl, they were being evicted from their house and she, I just bawled when I read this, but she said, I have a warm winter coat, but it, but could I get one for my dog so he's not cold because we're going to be staying in our car. And I just like, <laughs> I just sobbed and they kept coming and we ended up with 21 of these from different children. Wow. And so I was really naive. I had not thought about the children and all this prior. Like we'd saw children in, in the domestic violence cases and whatnot. But we didn't yeah. hear a lot from them in other ways. And so I'm going, oh, my goodness, we need to do something quick. So we put on an emergency drive, put out to the community what we needed, what these kids were asking for. And, I mean, we even had, you know, a couple players from the Calgary Flames show up. Like, it was amazing. People showed up for mm -hmm. these kids. And then we were able to, um, on Christmas Eve, we were able to deliver all their wishes. And then we had a generous donor <laughs> come forward and sponsor each one to get a toy. So we went Christmas oh. Eve, the kids got toys, the pets got taken care of. We were able to set up housing for that little girl who was going to be evicted. 
we were able to use mm-hmm. our resources with our other agencies to get them some because unfortunately what we did learn was for people in these situations it is really hard to know where to go especially at christmas yeah. because a lot of the children's toys programs and stuff close in october because they get so many applicants so mm-hmm. it, it was tough so i was like oh my gosh and and so when news of this got out we were getting calls from social workers um you know, people in children's industries across Canada saying, you know what, we see this all the time where kids, you know, going to put in foster care, um, very vulnerable situations have to lose their only companion because they can't, the new guardian or, or the system can't afford the pet. And so I was like, holy cow, we need to do something about this. This is horrible. So um, we were kind of, you know, figuring out what to do and then, um, Michael Calgary Flames, Michael Backland, um, had been a wonderful supporter of our, our drive. Him and his wife and his daughter showed up and they had like a carload of supplies for us. And he had just reached out to me after Christmas to say, Hey, just to let you know, cause we were talking at the event, his dog um, was sick. And he said, Oh, just to let you know, we had to put Lily down. And he was, he was emotional. And his little girl who's two was, you know, the, the whole family was heartbroken. And so he said like, you know, do you think we could do something in her memory that, you know, we can really get behind? And I said, well, why don't we do Lily's legacy? Why don't we help kids stay with their pets? Because I mean, I knew the strong bond that his daughter had with, with Lily and uh, it just seemed like such a great fit. So um, he jumped on board and, and we were able to get Lily's legacy going a little quicker than we would have been able to without him for sure. You know, he was great. Did some great yeah. interviews for us and, helped us do a couple fundraisers so yeah so that and as far as I know that is the only program in Canada that's helping right now and if I take no other program across Canada I want to take that one (laughs) yep that's that's pretty impressive I uh in that former career had spent some time around the Children's Aid Society when they were looking to uh let folks know about some of their new programs locally where I was working and those stories just rip your heart out uh, every time. And you just, you want to fix it. You want to be the one who can go and fix it. Yeah. What does work though is community supports. And I'm going to read the stats from the site since January 1st, 2021. And today is June 10th. So six months, 3,077 food hampers delivered 142 domestic violence cases, 47 veterinary patients treated and 355 emergency pet packs delivered. That is a lot of lives changed. (laughs) Yes. We're very proud of those numbers. Um, So I guess the people who want to support you parachute for pets.com, find it on Facebook, Insta, everywhere else. Donate, please tell people about it. I also want to ask for other people who are looking to create this kind of community support in their community. So, you know, I'm in Hamilton in Southern Ontario, which is an area where we've had a housing crisis. The opioid crisis has hit us hard. Uh, A lot of other social issues. Um, And I am not aware of a program like this in the area. If if someone around here or, or wherever they may be wanted to, get involved or wanted to start trying to sort of connect some of these community services, what would you recommend as a starting place? I would love them to reach out to me um, Mm -hmm. through the website or info at parachutesforpets.com comes directly to me. I'd love to chat with them because our goal is to take this program across Canada. Um, And if, if people are wanting to help us, um, I'm more than willing to, uh, you know, get them set up in the community, guideline them, mentor them, 
um, or start a chapter of Parachutes Up. I just need to know where it's needed and who's willing to help because volunteers are are what keep us successful. Yeah, volunteers and donors. Um, (laughs) I always end up supporting other people's things on this, um, reminding people to donate. But uh, but again, we're talking about the impact of that. Um, Again, great fundraising information here for a $50 donation. One time you can supply a family escaping domestic violence with their pets. Uh, Give them an emergency pet pack for a monthly donation of $25, which is not a lot of money. You can help a family feed their pet. And for a one-time donation of $100, you can get a cat uh, being given a wellness check vaccine and get neutered and microchipped, which, as we know, will keep them healthy, safe, and remove barriers in terms of folks trying to get into homes and other things like that. Absolutely. And we can provide a, we're a registered charity, so everything comes with a tax receipt amazing um and again i I love this website too because it's a great community resource uh you've got in here i'm just i keep scrolling through it and finding and i always encourage people even if you don't see something we're offering and you need it just reach out to us because we probably will know where to send you (laughs) to learn more about parachutes for pets visit parachutesforpets.com or find them on social media I want to thank Melissa for sharing her time with us and all the volunteers at Parachutes for Pets for their incredible dedication. This episode was difficult to research, record, and present. I hope I have done it justice. If there are ways the introductions or links can be improved to best serve the audience, please reach out to me directly at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at thefurbearers.com or by visiting defenderradio.com and I will do my best to update it. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio.